0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Macabre for Mortals. Thank you for your great response to the Parole series. It was really great to get some good fe- feedback on the series and understand which ways that you agreed with me and which ways that you disagreed with me and your points of view as well. So thank you so much for all that feedback. As I discussed last week, I'm going to be discussing multiple personality disorder or how it's now medically known as disassociative identity disorder. I will be addressing what it is medically and how it is diagnosed, even though there is still a bit of a gray area. And I will also be covering how the media presents dissociative identity disorder and whether this disorder has been present in criminals' cases or any other types of case studies as well that can be found. Dissociative identity disorder, previously known as multiple personality disorder, is thought to be a complex psychological condition that is likely caused by factors, including severe trauma during during early childhood, which is usually extreme repetitive physical, sexual or emotional abuse. So what is dissociative identity disorder? Dissociative Identity Disorder is a severe form of dissociation, a mental process which produces a lack of connection in a person's thoughts, memories, feelings, actions, or a sense of identity. Dissociative Identity Disorder is thought to stem from a combination of factors that may include trauma experienced by a person with the disorder. The dissociative aspect is thought to be a coping mechanism. The person literally shuts off or dissociates themselves from a situation or experience that's too violent, traumatic, or painful to assimilate with their conscious self. Who is at risk for this disorder? Most research indicates that the cause of dissociative identity disorder is likely the psychological response to interpersonal and environmental stresses, particularly during early childhood years when emotional neglect or abuse may interfere with personality development. As many as 99% of individuals who develop dissociative disorders have recognized personal histories of reoccurring, overpowering, and often life-threatening disturbances or trauma at a sensitive development stage of childhood, which is usually what psychologists consider before the age of six. Dissociation may also happen when there has been persistent neglect or emotional abuse, even when there has been no overt physical or sexual abuse. Findings show that in families where parents are frightening and unpredictable, the children may become dissociative. And studies indicate that dissociative identity disorder affects about 1% of the population. So I think the main thing that people want to know is how to recognise dissociative identity disorder and what other mental disorders it can actually be associated to. So dissociative identity disorder is actually characterized by the presence of two or more distinct or split identities or even personality states that continually have power over the person's behavior. With dissociative identity disorder, there is also an inability to recall key personal information that is too far reaching to be explained as mere forgetfulness. With dissociative identity disorder, there are also highly distinct memory variations which may fluctuate. Although not everyone experiences dissociative identity disorder the same way, for some, the alters or the different identities have their own sex, age, or even race. Each has their own postures, gestures, and a distinct way of talking. Sometimes it alters our imaginary people, sometimes they are animals. As each personality reveals itself, it controls the individual's behaviour and thoughts. This is what psychologists call switching. Switching can take seconds to minutes to days. Some seek treatment with hypnosis, where the person's different alters or identities may be very responsive to the therapist's requests. Other symptoms of dissociative identity disorder may include headaches, amnesia, time loss, trances and out of body experiences. Some people with dissociative disorders have a tendency towards self-persecution, self-sabotage and even violence, both self-inflicted and outwardly directed. As an example, someone with dissociative identity disorder may find themselves doing things they wouldn't normally do, such as speeding, reckless driving or stealing money from their employer or friend, yet they feel that they are being compelled to do it. Some people describe this feeling as being a passenger in their body rather than the driver. In other words, they truly believe they have no choice. There are several main ways in which psychological processes of dissociative identity disorder change the way a person experiences living. And I'm just going to cover a few of the main ones. And they include depersonalization. So this is a sense of being detached from one's body and is often referred to as the out-of-body experience. Derealization. So this is the feeling that the world is not real or looking foggy or far away. I think we can all sort of, I can certainly resonate with that feeling, even though I certainly don't have this disorder. But I know what it feels like sometimes that not in reality, especially when I have a severe migraine, that's something that can affect. But I think that's something that everybody can really associate to. And I think that must be an awful feeling to feel. Have amnesia. So this is the failure to recall significant personal information that is so extensive that it can't be blamed on the ordinary forgetfulness. There can also be microamnesias where the discussion engaged is not remembered, or the content of a meaningful conversation is forgotten from one second to the next. So identity confusion or identity alteration. So both of these involve a sense of confusion about who the person is. An example of identity confusion is when a person has trouble defining the things that interest them, or their political or religious or social viewpoints, or their sexual orientation or their professional ambitions. In addition, these apparent alterations, the person may experience distortions in time, place and situation. It is now acknowledged by research that these dissociation states are not fully mature personalities but rather they represent a disjointed sense of identity. With the amnesia typically associated with dissociative identity disorder, different identity states remember different aspects of autobiographical information. There is usually a host personality within the individual who identifies with the real person's real name. Ironically, the host person is usually unaware of the presence of the other personalities. So how is this disorder diagnosed? So making the diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder takes an extensive amount of time. It is estimated that individuals with dissociative disorders have spent seven years in the mental health system prior to accurate diagnosis. And this is common because the list of symptoms that cause a person with dissociative disorder to seek treatment is very similar to those of many other psychiatric diagnoses. In fact, many people who have dissociative disorders can also have coexisting diagnoses of borderline or other personality disorders, depression and or anxiety. So the DSM-5 provides the following criteria to diagnose dissociative identity disorder. So number one, Two or more distinct identities or personality states that are present, each which with its own relatively endured pattern of perceiving, relating to, and thinking about the environment and self. Amnesia must occur and define gaps in the recall of everyday events. Important personal information or traumatic event, events must be occurring within that amnesia. Number three, the person must be distressed by the disorder or have trouble functioning in one or more major life areas because of the disorder. Four, the disturbance is not part of normal cultural or religious practices. And five, the symptoms cannot be due to the direct physiological effects of a substance such as blackouts or chaotic behavior during alcohol intoxication, or a general medical condition such as complex partial seizures. The distinct personalities may serve diverse roles in helping the individual cope with life dilemmas. For instance, there is an average of two to four personalities present when the patient is initially diagnosed then there is an average of 13 to 15 personalities that become known over the course of the treatment. Environmental triggers or life events cause a sudden shift from one alter or personality to another. So what other psychiatric illnesses might occur with dissociative identity disorder? Along with the dissociation or multiple or split personalities, people with their dissociative disorders may experience a number of other psychiatric problems, including symptoms of depression, mood swings, suicidal tendencies, sleep disorders, anxiety, panic attacks, and phobias. They might have alcohol or drug abuse to try and cope with the different personalities. They might have compulsions and rituals, and this borders onto um OCD. So it's things that they have to do, which can keep that a personality in check. So they might also have psychotic like symptoms, including auditory and visual hallucinations. And they may also have eating disorders. So there has actually been a few famous people with dissociative identity disorders. These include comedian Roseanne Barr, Adam Duritz, and retired NFL star Herschel Walker. Walker actually wrote a book about his struggles with dissociative identity disorder, along with his suicide attempts, explaining he'd felt a feeling of disconnection from a childhood to the professional leagues. To cope, he developed a tough personality that he didn't feel loneliness, one that was fearless and wanted to act out of anger he always suppressed. These alters could withstand the abuse he felt, and other alters came to help him to rise to national fame. Treatment helped Walker realise that these alternate personalities are part of dissociative identity disorder, which he was diagnosed with in adulthood. So to treat dissociative identity disorder, there's really currently no formal evidence-based guidelines to treat it. And many treatments are based on case reports or could even be seen as controversial. While there is no cure for dissociative identity disorder, long-term treatment can be helpful if the patient stays committed. So what's the affectment treatment? The first one is psychotherapy, also called talk therapy. The therapy is designed to work through whatever triggers or triggered the dissociative identity disorder. The goal is to help fuse the separate personality traits to one consolidated personality that can control the triggers. This type of therapy often includes other family members as sometimes they can actually be the triggers and what they can do to reduce those triggers. There's also hypnotherapy which can be used in conjunction with the psychotherapy. And clinical hypnos- hypnosis can be used to help access repressed memories, control some of the problematic behaviours which accompany this dissociative identity disorder, as well as to help those inter- personalities integrate into one another. There's also adjunctive therapy. Therapies such as art or movement therapy have been shown to help people connect with parts of their mind that they have shut off to cope with the trauma. There is no established medication treatments for dissociative identity disorder, making the psychologically based approaches the mainstay of the therapy. Treatment of the co-occurring disorders, such as depression or substance use disorders, is fundamental to the overall improvement because the symptoms of the dissociative disorders often occur with other disorders, such as anxiety and depression, and medicines to treat those other co-occurring problems, if present are sometimes used in addition to the psychotherapy and can be used to really help the patient moving forward. So moving on to... uh, I wouldn't say slightly lighter but once we've got through all that heaviness of the dissociative disorder and what it actually means and how it's identified what does the media get right about the dissociative identity disorder and the answer is really almost nothing so the first time that i actually viewed a dissociative identity disorder in a movie was actually through a film called identity you might know it was the handprint. Um, it's got John Crusack in it. And I saw that probably when I was about age 14. And when I was watching the movie, I sort of, obviously it's a horror movie, but by the end of it, you understand that a man actually does have dissociative personality disorder or identity disorder. And that was sort of my first view of things. That was obviously a serious look at it. it. But there are some movies that depict people with the dissociative identity disorder as comical, such as in the film Me, Myself and Irene. Or they can actually see it as sociopathic, as in the movie Split, Psycho, Fight Club, and also in the movie Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I'll even mention the film Identity in that. Few of these actually convey the degree of suffering of these people, and only some capture that the disorder is almost always the result of severe and chronic childhood trauma. Movies portray therapists who treat the dissociative identity disorder as being overly fascinated with the disorder, and as having poor boundaries, as becoming over-involved and too friend No movie has really depicted the treatment that is consistent with the treatment guidelines developed by the dissociative identity experts around the world. Um, Many media accounts mislabel the dissociative identity disorder as schizophrenia, even though there are two very entirely different conditions. Many interviews of people with dissociative identity disorder feature individuals who are much more attention-seating and dramatic than is typical among the dissociative identity disorder group. Some of the people in interviews seem to enjoy sharing personal details about trauma and their personalities than most people with the dissociative identity of disorder are reluctant to reveal. Research does actually show that most people with dissociative identity disorder are avoidant of people and attention and hide their inner world of personalities as much as they can. I'm specifically going to be just reading some outrage that came out from the movie Split. So this was the one with um, James McAvoy in it. I personally i watched this movie i think he is a brilliant actor that's why i liked him i liked him when he was in tournament and i liked him even when he was in the Line the witch in the wardrobe that's how far ago that i liked him as an actor and that was one reason why i watched this movie however i do see from the point of view of a psychologist people who suffer with dissociative identity disorder how They feel when a movie sensationalises a disorder which they actually do have and actually can make people feel like that the only way that they can be is a sociopath. So many mental health professionals criticised Split and they said that it had actually pushed back decades of progress by the health field. In a world where Silver Linings' playbook showed that people with mental health in- illnesses deserve love, and the United States of Tara pred- portrayed the everyday struggles of people living with a dissociative identity disorder, we don't need splits setting the bar for mental illness in the films back to the 1960s. Movie makers like M. Night would do well to move past this tired and offensive trope, At a time when so much attention is being paid to mental illness and gender identity, we've reduced both conversations to a horror horror movie trip. It makes us targets and encourages violence against us. As long as films like Split continue to be made and distributed tens of millions across the world, will suffer for it. What if someone made a movie about you? Only you were the villain. Not a bright supervillain who is kind of cool, but someone horri- horrifyingly bizarre and dangerous. That's what M. Night Shyamalan's new movie, Split, is doing for me and everyone with dissociative identity order. Whatever happens within the movie, fame will flop. The ads and trainers are already driving home the message that everyone needs to fear people with dissociative identity disorder. I just want to leave them hang there for a bit because I also sometimes forget that this can affect people so much and I agree with that last statement if someone made a movie about me and my life in that way how would I feel? The recently cancelled United States of Tara, a television series featuring a fictional woman with dissociative identity disorder, once again raised the questions about portrayal in the media of trauma and its associated diagnosis. Can shows such as this be both entertaining as well as truthful? Are portrayals of mental illness in popular media largely exaggerated on Hollywoodized forms of entertainment? So Dissociative Intensity Disorder was contested as a diagnosis as far back as 1901. The popular portrayal of this misunderstood disorder didn't really take hold until about 1957. The book The Bird's Nest had made so much of a stir in 1954 but three years later The Three Faces of Eve was published, the true story of a housewife suffering from what was then known as multiple personality disorder. That year, both novels were turned into feature films, the latter gaining the most notability. So I actually do remember um, the Three Faces of Eve. That was one of the studies that I first learned when I started to study psychology and then that was the first one where multiple personality disorder was brought into my viewpoint after me watching the film Identity. So I'm just going to go through a few different facts about the TV shows or movies, which I believe are either for real or for show. Because I think it does really make a difference when you do have to have that break with, okay, well, this is just a dramatization of something that happened, or, oh no, this actually really happens. So interestingly, or maybe not, there are a lot of myths and overgeneralizations about dissociative identity disorder connotated by the media. So The Three Faces of Eve was followed by Sybil, a 1976 made-for-television miniseries based on the book of the same name, starring Sally Field as a timid graduate student suffering from dissociative identity disorder. The shrinking difference between Eve and Sybil was the number of identities the two women exhibited. While Eve had just one more than Dr. Jekyll, Sybil has many as 13 personalities. And this is actually quite consistent with what we know about the disorder. From what I said, that when you've been in therapy, it can actually increase to the personalities being in those teens. So this is something that I think Sybil got right. And... I have actually read the book from this since, and it is a brilliant book, and I think it actually addresses this in the correct way. I can't say that I've seen the miniseries, though. Obviously, that was far before my time, and I have not had the time to look at it, but I will. So the next one I wanted to talk about was um, the films Raising Cain from 1992, Fight Club from 1999, and The Secret Window in 2004 where the main characters develop an identity to fulfill the darkest of desires and criminal impulses, and Mr. Hyde to to the Dr. Jekyll. Most of this is actually based on fiction. Not all multiples develop manical alters, and most of them do not. And further, the development of dissociative identity disorder is associated with childhood, and a new alter essentially holds onto the traumatic memories for the person, which then protects them from the unimaginable suffering that occurred. It doesn't come from a trauma in an adult life. From the three faces of Eve, we know that Eve also had two alters, both of which were women the same age as her. But Tara from the United States of Tara also had a female alter, but she also had teenage and male alters. And this is actually true that yes, all the alters can be of different ages and genders. And that's one of the things that I think the United States of Tara got really well is that it doesn't have to be the same as you. It's a completely alternate identity. That's why we don't use personality anymore because it's not just a personality, it's a completely different identity. Of course we might expect the minor deviations from the reality of dissociative identity disorder to what we may see in a film or on television. But sometimes the discrepancies can be frankly glaring. Back in 2000, Jim Carrey starved in the comedy Me, Myself and Irene his character Charlie, suffering from dissociative identity disorder, develops a, a violent identity named Kank. Okay, we have seen that before. They represent dark side manifesting as an alter. But then the other characters refer to Charlie as schizo. Yes, schizo. Even though schizophrenia is very different from dissociative identity disorder. Many people still continue to confuse the two. But then Charlie is diagnosed of having involuntary schizoid personality disorder with narcissistic tendencies. This, of course, is a little more psychobabble at its worst. In a world that worships the silver screen, it may be difficult to separate fact from fiction. This may be particularly challenging in the case of dissociative identity disorder because the disorder itself, is, in reality, rather fascinating and dramatic. Knowing where the reality of the diagnosis ends and the fiction begins may elude the less savvy consumer. So, some television shows and films accurately portray dissociative identity disorder while others do not, and some fall somewhere in between. Sybil and the United States of Tara allow us to understand certain difficulties that go along with the condition, while others such as me, myself and Irene distort the reality of the disorder to an unrecognisable schmugsbug of mental illness. As always, viewer beware. The media, being of different minds of the topic, may be wrestling with an identity disorder of its own. I'm just going to finish off with one case story because I realise that this is going to be quite a long episode. And I think my next episode I'm going to actually discuss a case that happened in Australia not too long ago. And it was the first lady who came out to have a dissociative identity disorder in Australia. I will also be covering if there has been any one involved in a crime or in any other sort of criminal effect with um, dissociative identity disorder or whether it has been used as an excuse as a felon being diagnosed with this. So this case story is something called Sandra's story. So Sandra was a 25-year-old soldier hospitalized for sudden changes in behavior. And episodes of apparent poor memory. She was confused about recent history and believed that she was in a different hospital located 800 miles from the place where she had in fact been admitted. The diagnosis initially considered including schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, antisocial personality disorder and substance abuse. She was started on Neuroleptics or tranquilizers, but showed very little benefit. At this later hospital mission, she was initially thought to have a dissociative fuge or amnesia. She was tested and found to be highly hypnotizable and was asked to relive the time when she had, in fact, been admitted to other hospitals. She recalled the earlier experience and then she was helped to reorient to the correct time and location. It was determined that for some years she had suffered with significant gaps in memory. She also had a significant sudden changes in her expression of emotions and behavior. While Sandra was generally agreeable and helpful, she would suddenly become hostile and really uncooperative. She reported being told that she had said and done things that she vigorously denied because she had no memory of having done them. On one later occasion, she was admitted to the emergency department with a deep, deep cut to her thigh, saying tearfully that she had been running a field and fell. This explanation was both vague and inconsistent with the type of injury in this case hypnosis was used to help her recall how the injury occurred by moving in time to earlier in the day sandra began psychotherapy which helped her to see parts of her identity as poorly integrated portions of her overall self rather than distinct personalities she was encouraged to integrate them and learn to appreciate sandra's cooperativeness and mary's assertiveness both in moderation. She later said, I came to understand Mary as me, Sandra as me. Before that, I didn't want to, and then I'd have to be responsible. She came to this understanding by working through old memories of a troubled childhood. Her parents had divorced when she was six years old, and her mother became involved with a man who abused drugs the cannabis, and started to sexually abuse Sandra when she was 11. She had limited memory of the abuse, but gradually became able to discuss it more. She recalled, for example, a time when her mother's boyfriend got high and forced her to feliciate him. She relived some of her revulsion and terror, but then smiled says, I gagged and threw a pole over him. He threw me against some wall, but I spoiled his fun. She was taught how to restructure her memory of the abuse to include her ability to disrupt it. She also started taking antidepressants for her comorbid or depression. She responded well to the combination of the antidepressants and the psychotherapy and came to dissociate only rarely. Sandra began to develop more stable and healthy relationships and her diagnosis was dissociative identity disorder. I thought this case study was brilliant because it shows all the symptoms that we would spoken about earlier and how they all combine to make this poor person, Sandra, how she suffered for so many years and how both the combination of the antidepressants and the psychotherapy and the hypnotism actually helped her to gain control back on her life and back on her dissociative identity. I think it's really poignant where we need to remember that it is a mental illness and it has been actually caused by something. And if we can reduce all of those causes, for our future children then we might be reducing the impact of these mental diseases in the future so my sources this week were the american psychiatric associations page psychology today teach trauma and webmd i'll put all the um web links into the show notes for you there is a lot of reading that you can do for this and that's why I'm going to split the next one because um, the story which I want to tell about the lady in Australia is quite a long story and I think it'll be good to split those two up to give you two different episodes of two different sort of angles on dissociative identity disorder. So thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. I know it was a big heavy episode this week. If you have anything that you would like me to discuss with me before next week's episode, then just drop me an email at macabreformortals.gmail.com. If you have any time, then please give us a follow at Instagram at macabreformortals. And I hope you all have a fabulous week. Thank you for listening. Bye.